0: Leafs fam, what is up? This is the Leafs Convo. I'm Norman James. Thanks for being aboard for this podcast. It means so much. It always does. Mike Ajello standing by. He and I are going to get deeper into the conversation that is burning up on our YouTube page right now. Who would you trade? Nikita Zaitsev or Jake Gardner? Who goes? Who stays? Each of those players has reason to stay. Each of them has reason to be moved out. Mike and I will discuss. Plus... What's going on with the Toronto Marlies? They've fallen behind in two straight games to the Texas Stars. They pull out the miracle win in Game 1 of the Calder Cup Final. Didn't work that way in Game 2. Are they in trouble heading back to Texas? Plus, a little bit more on the Stanley Cup Finals. That John Carlson adding more millions to his bank account. Can the Leafs get into a situation where they can convince him to come to Toronto? Is it even worth it? Plus, John Tavares' talk and forgotten Leafs. I'm ready to go. Mike's ready to go. Sammy, the cat's ready to go. The question is, are you ready to go? Whether or not, let's leave's combo right now. And here is our good friend from Buffalo, New York, the one and only Michael Agiello. How are you, sir?
1: Good morning Norman. I am fine, uh, a little tired from a lot of uh, work this weekend, a lot of hockey. In spite of the fact that it's early June, a lot of hockey stuff going on.
0: Well, you are in the cradle of hockey from Buffalo to Toronto, from the combine to the Calder Cup final. You're in the thick of it, brother.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, you know, summer is my least favorite time of the year because
0: mm. there's not much hockey but there's a lot of hockey news going on. So, well, lots to talk about. Um first things first though, I wanted to get your reaction to all of the reaction that has been generated from our previous Leafs Combo podcast entitled on YouTube, The Leafs Combo, Who do you trade Gardner or Zaitsev? What does that tell you, Mike, in regards to all of the the reaction that we've been able to Generate through this podcast on the topic of trading one of these two defensemen. Don't we want to love our players, or do you think it's just a matter of fans realize that there is a, a serious issue uh, on a critical part of the team that needs to be addressed in this offseason?
1: Well, I, I think, first of all, I think fans you know, react emotionally and that's understandable because they're fans. But I also think more than ever, they're, you know, they're get They're getting into the, like the idiosyncrasies of a team and they see, you know, and they factor in things like contracts and mm. things of that nature. So they, 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 you know, I think they realize Zaitsev is signed for six more years Gardner signed for a year. Gardner could be an unrestricted free agent at the end of next year. Do you want to sign him? Do you want to invest in him? And all these are factors. And that's why I think it generates a lot of debate because I think, you know, Zaitsev is at his lowest value right now since coming over from the KHL, which is not the opportune time to trade him. And I think he's a better player than he reflected last year. Gardner scored a career high fifty-two points, but we saw in the playoffs that he is still, you know, Jake Gardner in the sense of the the player that makes the brain cramp defensive giveaways mm. and sometimes some is he he's an Im, he's a flawed player. He's a good player at times, but he's a flawed player. So I mean, fans realize that, and I think that they're hungry for this team to win. And I don't know whether they see. Jake Gardner being in the top four of a Stanley Cup winning
0: Maple Leaf team in three or four years. Well, what happened against Boston was just so visceral and punishing for Jake Gardner's reputation. It's amazing how you will have those who invest themselves deeply in the analytics of the game and who see the game through metrics and not necessarily... Um, they don't. They don't really see the game through, you know, a, a human's perspective. It's basically, well, this guy has this these numbers. This guy has these numbers. It's one is better than the other clearly, and that's where the debate is over Jake Gardner because you have those who use uh, analytics to determine, you know, who is effective, and based on the numbers, Jake Gardner is a poster child for. Very good, very good hockey analytics, yet people see something totally different. And I think that's the disparity in this guy's reputation right now, Mike. People, uh, hockey fans will see what they see, even if you know they don't really understand the underlying numbers. And whether Gardner has great hockey um, statistics and you can build a case for him that way, Mm-hmm. optically, things looked really poor for him in game seven against Boston. So is it a matter of, you know, hockey analytics people convincing everybody else that Jake Gardner is not a problem? Or is it mm-hmm. the fact that we saw him blow a tire at, a, you know, one of the most important times of the season? And that's just what we're going to go with on him. And you know what? Underlying numbers be damned.
1: Well, I mean arguably and, and like I said before, he scored 52 points this year and that's his career high, but arguably his best season was last year. Um the year they played the Capitals in the playoffs because Babcock protected them. There there they were protected minutes. He was playing he was he very rarely played against top lines. He played them against second or third lines. You know, he got offensive zone starts, all those things that would be beneficial to him. And, you know, he finished, I think his plus minus was in the, and I know that's an ar- archaic statistic, but I'm saying mm-hmm. plus minus was in the, was near plus 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and everybody said, you know, he's much better defense. Well, he's much better defensively because he's not playing against more creative offensive forwards this mm-hmm. year. He was less protected. He was played on the, you know, he, he played the most <laughs> minutes or second most minutes on the team. And he was exposed at times. Now he, he responded with offense, but that that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's it's simply a case of asset management when it mm-hmm. comes to Jake Gardner that Kyle Dubas is going to have to address. Do you want to re-sign him? And do you want to re-sign him at five and a half to $6 million per year, which is probably the, the range that it's going to cost? And if you don't, then you can't do what Lou Amorello did last year and keep James Van Riemsdyk and keep Tyler Bozak when you know they're going to walk away and you know that you're not going to bid on them. Mm-hmm. You have to get assets for them because – the, the it it simply doesn't you know you're not a contender for the Stanley Cup at this moment mm-hmm. and don't fool yourself
0: well if gardner's going to be a part of the process long term then i think it's a matter of getting something done as as soon as you possibly can because this guy's trade value i don't believe is going to increase any going into a, a trade deadline so either piss or get off the pot as they say mike and that is what is really um, propelling this debate on our YouTube channel comment section, our, our last podcast, The Leafs Combo, Who Do You Trade, Gardner and Zaitsev, Mike Agello in New York, uh, Buffalo, New York, Norman James in London, Ontario. We're just discussing the fallout from our uh, most recent piece of work, and it's an interesting discussion. Um, Jake Gardner, again, he's a, he's a lightning rod for not controversy, but – it's, he's, a, he's a polarizing figure because statistically he gets the job done, but people don't see those underlying analytics. They see what they see, and they see those blunders. They see those big mistakes. And players who are put in high-leverage situations where you can either succeed or fail, those are the ones who either succeed or fail. And unfortunately for Jake Gardner, in, in those big moments, the perception is that he has failed more often than not. Mike, one more comment on this and we'll move along. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: Oh, um, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I think, and, and like the situation last year with Van Riemsdyk, I think the value, the valuation of Gardner uh, the highest valuation of Gardner is now, is mm-hmm. at the draft and is July 1st. No question. Because it gives them a full, you know, if if it's a trade situation, it's a scenario, uh, it gives that team a full year to uh, have Gardner as their offensive quarterback on the power mm-hmm. play yep. and puck rusher. Um, and then work on him for a long-term extension, as, as it would have been for Van Riemsdyk had they had traded him to the Islanders in, in a uh, deal for, for Travis Hamanick. Mm-hmm. If, if they, if they w- decide to wait until the deadline, they might get a first-round pick like was open for Van Riemsdyk, but that's not the value that you really need. You can get more now. Yeah. You have to make and I'm sure Kyle Dubas has made the determination of what direction he wants to go. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what it's going to be.
0: Look, first round picks are fantastic. And if you can get one while you're contending, great. But if you can obtain pieces that are going to be helpful to you in the short term for Jake Gardner, essentially supplanting him on, on the lineup with someone else who will take his place, someone you might believe is more effective. Look, Jake Gardner, this isn't a personal thing. He is a fantastic player. And, whether he's traded or not, Mike, come draft day, I don't really care. My whole my whole um, goal right now, doing this podcast, collabing with you, reaching out to Leaf fans, bringing in new subscribers, is just to keep the conversation going. We're just talking Leafs, man. However, personally, I want to push... I want I want to help push this organization towards that Stanley Cup because that's that's what it's about. that is that is what it's about right now and make this team better. And if Jake Gardner is a part of that and they bring in somebody to complement his skills with skills that he doesn't necessarily boast or are part of his um, core assets as a player, then that's fine. If they have to move him out in order to Bring in somebody who has a different playing style but will take up his kind of minutes. If it works out, and Kyle Dubas, remember, the chosen one, if he determines so, then I'm I'm cool with that. And let's not forget, Jake Gardner has players uh, nipping at his heels within the organization who are of the same ilk. Timothy Lilligren, Travis Dermott, you have Morgan Riley there. So if you do move him out and bring somebody back, it's not like there's a complete void left. Uh, based on the fact that he, you are not, um, that you wouldn't have a player of his particular skill set, you have those players in the fold. This is the Leafs combo: Mike in, uh, in Buffalo, Norm in London. I should go with that now. eh? Mike in Buffalo, Norm in London. Um, enjoy that. Yeah, we're um, we do this podcast several times a week, and we're just floored by the amount of reaction and the amount of support we're getting. If you're listening right now, you're coming in through Hockey Buzz do us a favor hit subscribe to the page we, we need more subscribers we have a lot and we're so thankful for the ones who have come on board tell your friends spread the message i mean we want to get into the thousands of subscribers so we can reach more people and have more people uh, get engaged in the discussions that we are trying to spawn through our podcast we're just talking leafs man we're also talking about the Marlies, a 2-1 loser to texas at rico the biggest crowd to ever See a Marley's game at Rico, which is amazing. The atmosphere was good. Mike, you and I were messaging and you were talking about how the atmosphere, especially on Saturday, was unreal. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about the Marley's right now. They're down to the final five games potentially of the season. And in these first two games of the Calder Cup final with the Texas Stars, they've fallen behind. The miracle comeback in game one uh, didn't work out in game two.
1: Well, and as I said before, the series started the you know because sort of te- you know, they hadn't played Texas all year, and obviously out of sight, out of mind when it comes to teams that you haven't seen. Um, they're a veteran group. Uh, the three guys who did the bulk of the scoring in Game One for Texas are three players who played on their 2014 Calder Cup championship team. And that's a team that beat the Marlies in the conference final. So, you know, they're, you know, that's Curtis McKenzie, um, uh, Justin Dowling and uh, Travis Morin. So they, these are experienced guys at the AHL level. They've got some young guys, but it's a, it's a very well coached, uh, very tough team. And, you saw it from the outset in game one, a couple power play goals, got them ahead. The Marlies came back. I mean, it was an improbable comeback in game one because it was a sort of a wide open game, and that's not the game that Texas plays and not the game that the Marlies usually, usually play. I think game two is more, I'd say, conducive to what the, ser- the rest of the series is going to be. It was a 2-1 game, um, a bad penalty call on a holding the stick uh, penalty to Vincent Laverde in the third period uh power play goal by Texas and then they really slammed the door and that's the one area of con- the two areas of concern for the Marlies is at the end of that third period um the Texas defense team defense was suffocating to the point mm-hmm. that they couldn't get the couldn't get the puck over the red line couldn't dump it in the zone to get Sparks out of the net uh, and in the first two games, it's a miracle they scored six goals without a single point from that big first line of Alton and Grundstrom and Andreas Janssen, and they didn't score again yesterday. So they're going to have to find some way to get that line on, tr- uh, on track. And that's probably, you know, if they're matched up against certain checkers, it's going to be tougher to do that in Texas where they have the last change.
0: I'm the worst for praising the Barleys in the promos that you – see on our feed and if you subscribe to the uh, podcast through YouTube you'll see these promos I'm just trying to give people a heads up as to what we're working on we're running this thing like a channel man I'm the worst at <laughs> anointing the Marlies Calder Cup champs already so I, I'm, I'm in that camp where I'm just looking way too far ahead mm-hmm. in reality Mike what we're seeing is that the Marlies still have some work to do and this season the dream season can be completed in convincing fashion, but you got to get back out onto the road and you've got to find a way to start popping in some offense. And you, you talked about alternate and Johnson and who was the other one that Uh, Grunstrom, yeah, Grunstrom, Grunstrom. These are guys that you rely on to produce offense, especially at key times. And the fact that these guys have gone cold at the most crucial of periods during the season, um, tells you that, look, these guys have played a lot of hockey and that no matter where you are on the schedule, you're going to go into slumps, you're going to get hot, and they, they need three wins. It's just a matter of doing what they've done all season and um, closing this thing out, wrapping it up, and tying it with a bow.
1: Well, if, if you noticed in, in game one, the, the key players for, for the Marlies were the experienced ones. Colin Greening. You know mm-hmm. Freddie Gauthier who's been down there for a while, Chris Mueller, who they brought in this yep. year, had a goal and two assists and he played he played on that Texas star team four years ago, so he knows he knows some of those guys, so it's like you know what what has to happen and it's understandable that rook that rookie's young players in in the, the crucible of a of a Calder Cup final or a Stanley Cup final, if we're talking about vegas and and washington sometimes they they shrink a little bit now. They're two games in. They're going on the road. This has been the most successful road team in the AHL this year. They got the, the the league's number one goaltender in Garrett Sparks, and we've talked about him, about his future with the Leafs. But I, I, you know, I think for sure, this series is coming back to Toronto. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't see the I don't see the, either team sweeping the three games in Texas. So mm-hmm. it could be it could be three two. Uh, Toronto coming back for to, to, to win the series, or 3-2 Texas, and and Toronto has to win uh, both games to, to win the Calder Cup. But that was their first loss at Rico. They had been yeah. 7-0 and at Rico. They'd won 10 games in a row. So, you know, Sheldon Keefe was pretty even-keeled about it after the game. He says, you know, we expect it to be a nip-and-tuck battle. We, ex- we don't expect it to just go through the playoffs like a hot knife through butter. It, it's it going to be tough, and now this team needs to bounce back.
0: Well, remember, what you're doing at the AHL level, you hope will pay off with benefits in the NHL. So whether they win the Calder Cup or not, the Marlies have shown to be very successful, and the next phase in the grand scheme of things is to have these dudes go to Air Canada Centre and make some noise at some point. That is the entire philosophy, and the entire philosophy... Of your AHL organization and the whole point of that league, right? I mean, the AHL references itself as a development league for the NHL. So the Leafs of our the Leafs of our the Marlies have already proven that they a lot of them are ready for that next level or at least to take a, a shot at that next level. So that that is done. That box has been checked. The the Calder Cup is. To win this thing is something basically for the players and those devoted fans who've gone to the games uh, week in and week out. So th- this, let's not make any mistake. They don't have to win the Calder Cup to to suggest that this organization is producing good players or cultivating good players at the minor league level. That's that's not a known fact. The championship is essentially gravy. And heck, while you're here. Considering the season you've had, you've just won ten in a row, you may as well win the thing. One more point on this, and we've got to move along. Plus we have forgotten leaps coming up.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the thing about player development that you were mentioning, it's a, it's and it's simply not just you know, like in the in the past, like the twenty twelve Caller Cup final team that lost to Norfolk, it was Cadre, it was Gardner and Jerry D'Amigo who never made the NHL or made it for a you know, a cup of coffee, you know, they were the young guys, the guys who were the future prospects on this team, you know, there's Janssen, there's Dermott, there's Grunstrom, who probably, uh, the Alton and the and who probably all be in the NHL in the next in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, But guys like Trevor Moore, who they signed as a free agent and Mason Marchment, who they signed as, signed as a, a walk-on as an AHL contract. And now he's got an entry-level deal. I was talking to some people yesterday. They think in a year, maybe you know, they could be in the NHL because wow. Marchman's a big, a big, rangy, quick player. Doesn't shy away from the. And he's a perfect fourth line guy in the new NHL because he's fast and he's tough and he's, uh, you know, durable and 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 Moore is very speedy and very creative and is used on the power play and, I mean, these you know these are role players. These are guys who will be in inexpensive. And that, you know, a team that's going to be successful needs to generate through the organization for cap reasons and for mm-hmm. just talent, just to keep the talent moving. And that's, you know, that's the difference between this organization under Brendan Shanahan mm-hmm. and, and now Kyle Dubas um, from teams in the past. They would go out and spend a couple million dollars on a forward line guy. You can't do that anymore. You have mm-hmm. to generate your own talent. Yeah. And
0: yeah, the player production keeps churning, but there are very uh, many capable players at the NHL level representing the Leafs right now. And with this uh, you know, potentially sizable crew knocking at the door, you have to think some will squeeze through and others will be shipped out to other uh, organizations. Look, I have, a, I have a poster of Gardner on my wall. I have a poster of Garrett Sparks on my wall. I love these guys. I, I, I pray to them before I go to bed. Um, and I, you know, I, again, but I'm, I'm, I'm being I'm facetious. But the, the thing is, I, I, you know, I love these guys, but I love the organization more. And if Kyle Dubas, remember, this is the guy that the young generation of Leaf fans wanted to see take over. And I'm fully on board. I think he's going to do wonders. But he's going to be st- staring at a lot of decisions that are going to um, throw some no- noses out of joint among the people, the the faction that have been ultimately supportive of Dubas and have advocated him taking over the general manager's role. He has to make decisions that are going to benefit the organization with the purpose of winning a damn Stanley Cup. This isn't about um, generating more fanboys or uh, just a a culture of, of fans for a Garrett Sparks or a Jake Gardner. This is about building a team and constructing a team. And when you have an asset like Gardner, who who a lot of other organizations would love to have and would be willing to part with assets they have uh, currently to bring back to Toronto that would help make this team better, then you've got to entertain that stuff. And whether people fall in love with these players or not um, is another story. Real quick, uh, Jeremy Bracco, what kind of season do you think he had? I mean, he was a guy that a lot of people were really excited about, especially when he went to Kitchener to help them with their run. Um, You know, I know he hasn't played too much in the playoffs. I digress here, Mike, but Jeremy Brockle, what's an update on him? And do you think he's uh, still on pace developing nicely?
1: I, I do. I mean, he was sort of a victim of the success of the team, and, and the depth at forward but if you know, if you noticed when Janssen got called up when there were a couple call-ups happening and then later in the season he got to play more and at the end of the year he was scoring at a point per game pace and, and playing the power play. Mm-hmm. I think you know what's going to happen with this team there's going to be some natural changeover you know I've, there's been some rumors about Ben Smith heading to uh, Europe for, for a year or two something like that I mean that may happen he's a, he's a U.s and they and some players might get moved on, but Bracco is somebody that when he got the ice time, he did score, and uh, he needed to get stronger, and he was playing mostly fourth line minutes early in the year. But he's starting, he you know, and he hasn't played much in the playoffs because I think that, you know, they got set on a sort of 12-man group and there has been no injuries. But I think if there was an injury, Baraka probably would have been the guy to go in. So uh, I I think he's still on track. I think it's probably going to be another year in the AHL next year. And then I think he gets a legitimate chance if uh, if he isn't part of the trade or something like that, because you never know. But if he's still with the organization, I think there's a legitimate chance in, say, 2019 that he gets Mm -hmm. a chance to make the
0: Leafs. Wow. Trying to make the Leafs is not easy. Back in the day, there weren't too many <laughs> delicious cookies in the cupboard, if you know what I'm saying. Now yeah. uh, it's just a it's a petri dish, and you have a lot of a lot of choices. Especially up front, it's on the back end that this team needs to improve, and uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum. And I believe Kyle Dubas is going to make those decisions. Going to be tough ones to swallow for some fans, but at the end of the day, win me a Stanley Cup. That is what I care about most. Um The NHL scouting combine, was that the best of the best or a snooze fest?
1: Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a snooze fest. It was, but, but it, from the, from the leaf perspective, it's it, it, like over the last few years, I mean, they've had a top, a top pick or like, you know, last year was 17, but there was, it was so many defensemen and so many, it was a pretty decent and pretty deep draft that there was a little more, I mean, suspense, but like this year, I mean, everything was focused on Dahlin because the, the Sabres have the number one pick and he's, uh, you know, clearly a number one defenseman. Uh, the thing is, is that, you know, a number of teams at the Leafs will play a number of times in their own division they have top picks and the picks at the top of the draft and Brady Kachuk and Andrei Svechnikov and Philip Zadina. You now, these are all players who I think are going to be good in the NHL. So, you know, the teams that these are players that we are going to see and see often as, uh, you know, as followers in the Maple Leafs. So I think the one interesting thing, and this is just, you know, um, <laughs> there is such a need for center with the Montreal Canadiens. And this is not a center strong draft. There's one player uh, named Jesperi Kotkinemi, uh, who is ranked, I'd say, anywhere between eight to 12. You know, he's mm. a very good player. They, you know, there's some question of whether he's a number one center or a number two center. And he grades out that. But Montreal's picking third, and they – Apparently, she's shown a lot of interest. They like this guy a lot. There's talk that they may take him at number three, even though he's ranked significantly lower. Um, that, to me, that smacks of a desperate organization, and that's that, what the Montreal Canadiens are right now.
0: Are you talking about God's team? The Habs? Not my the, God. The, the greatest sports organization ever? Good luck to them. Yeah. Uh, this is the Leafs combo. Mike Augello, Norman James. Um, Stanley Cup Finals. Game four coming up. It caps up two games to one on, on Vegas. You know what? I, I know you've mentioned that uh, you're not pulling for Ovechkin and, and Washington, but they've got a real opportunity here to um, you know, conclude this dream story of the Vegas Golden Knights on a bit of a sour note and, and win their first cup as an organization and you have someone like John Carlson who is generating quite a bit of buzz over what he may end up doing going forward with his career. He's helping his cause. He's helping put more millions into his bank account. And obviously mm-hmm. you, you see reports on social media from either writers or bloggers people who are passionate about the leafs suggesting that hey if in a perfect world john carlson and the maple leafs could have some sort of discussion uh, post july 1st over whether he could you know bring his stanley cup pedigree to to the leafs and help uh, address a need for them that would be tremendous i mean is this just i mean is this just pie in the sky mike or or do you think you know at some point down the line this guy could win the cup and then maybe bring some of his talents to Toronto.
1: If I had to opt for one or the other, I would say it's pie in the sky simply because I think that with his playoff performance, his, his stock, I mean, his stock was already high and the market is not strong in terms of defensemen. So he's going to get numerous teams bidding him up. And he, I believe he's 27 years old and he's so he's, he's just in the middle of his prime. I, I, right now he's going to get, he'll get more than Kevin Shattenkirk, which was close to $7 million. So you're talking probably seven and a half on a seven year deal. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think the Leafs are in the market for that. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of talk and it's been tied mostly to, to, to John Tavares. And I still think it's realistic because we know that the Leafs will think outside of the box about them signing a player, a free agent mm-hmm. to a one, to a one year max deal for, you know, whatever the max is 20% of the salary cap because they have a ton of cap room next year. But then the contracts of Matthews and Martyr and Neilander, if the, he signs a long-term deal, kick in, or Neilanders will already kick in this year. But th- you know that's that is a possibility. I just don't see them signing Carlson at seven and a half times seven years. I, I, I think it's it, it's too much, and I think they'll go in a different direction.
0: You you make your money based on your track record and what you've accomplished, but it pisses me off too because Kevin Shattenkirk gets all that money. Is he worth all that money? Obviously, a team is going to pay to, to get him because he's the, the hot commodity at the time. But you, if you pay Drew Doughty top-end money or Eric Carlson top-end money or even P.K. Subban, you have a pretty good sense that you're going to get your money's worth. But a lot of these guys are so overvalued when they get to the market based on a, a limited window. And teams are so desperate to fill, ne- fill voids address needs, spend money, then you have a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk coming aboard for all this cash. Is he really worth that? But, I mean, that's, that's pro sports, right, Mike?
1: Well, that, I mean, that's the way free agency, free agency works. Sometimes they're paying players for what they did in the past and not what they're going to give for you in the future. The, the thing is with Shattenkirk, there was actually some give and take there. He wanted to play with the Rangers. He only took four years, and he, and he got the full money. So he got he got what you know the money that he expected to get which was in 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 the neighborhood of 7 million dollars but he only got it for 4 years he could have held out for he could have I'm sure he probably had offers from teams for 7 years and he decided uh-huh. to take the the deal at the for for the place that he wanted to go to so I'm sure uh-huh. that's going to be a factor with Carlson too and the increase of the salary cap you know maybe Washington will you know pony up and give him that kind of money but you know, I I don't know. I think I think at the absolute least, and I think this goes for Tavares as well. They're going to get to that five day negotiating window before July first, which will happen just mm-hmm. right after draft weekend. And they'll listen to other teams, and then they'll decide: Do I want to go back to where I am and take what they're offering, or do I, you know, fly the coop and go someplace else?
0: Speaking of spending money, not recklessly, but maybe inappropriately John Tavares is going to make a ton of dollars and the Maple Leafs already have uh, a a ton of prowess and a ton of talent up front. We talked about John Tavares joining the Maple Leafs as a redundant quality. If the Leafs were to spend millions on John Tavares to just further strengthen uh, a, a strength for the organization, Would that be an example of just spending money, not not recklessly or foolishly, but in a way that you don't necessarily need to?
1: Well, I I don't. I don't think that adding John Tavares to the Maple Leafs would be, you know, like buying an extra set of tires that you may never use. I think it's basically he's one of the best centers in this league. I just think he, you know, Mm. there's two approaches. If you look at what Pittsburgh has done. And what Vegas has done to get to the cup final, they don't have neither one of them had number one defenseman. Latang was hurt um, the, the second year. And then Vegas is basically a hodgepodge of twos, threes and, you know, bottom pairing guys. I mean, good defensemen, but not number one defenseman in Washington, you know, they have Carlson, but they're probably going to lose him in free agency. You know, the model is okay. If you maybe you can go with a defense that has a bunch of twos and threes, but you have to have an overload of talent up front. And that's what Pittsburgh had with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Crosby and Malkin and Castle and all the other players. And mm-hmm. that seems to be what Vegas has done. And that's that may be the only way if, you know, short of, you know, because it's so expensive to get defensemen that you really have to overload up front. And Leafs, you know, have a really great. Uh, accumulation of talent up the mid or, uh, uh, you know, at, at forward. But really this year after Matthews and Kadri they don't have any centers. And if you could mm-hmm. make Nazem Kadri your third line center and, sign, oh, and wow. sign John Tavares, I mean, that's, you know, you're talking, I think the best center core in the NHL. So, I mean, I still rip. Yep.
0: Sorry, Mike. I I still, uh, you know, I remember well. And we have video on the Leafs Combo YouTube page. Check out the Leafs Combo, The Vault. And there's a story I did with John Tavares when he joined the Knights back in 2009. The spectacle of his being traded from Oshawa to London, Mm -hmm. a a deal orchestrated by Mark Hunter, was just something to behold for a junior hockey player. I mean, the, the hype around John Tavares was. Absolutely incredible! It dwarfs the hype around. Uh, it was it mirrored the hype around Sidney Crosby when he was coming out. It dwarfs the, the hype around Connor McDavid, considering Connor McDavid played for the Erie Otters. Just finished Evil Genius on Netflix, by the way. Have you seen that? Michael? I have not, not yet. It's a, yeah, it's the story about that the pizza delivery guy who tried to rob the bank with the the collar bomb back in two thousand three. <laughs> Check it out on Netflix, Erie, Pennsylvania. The only thing I ever knew about Erie, Pennsylvania, was the hockey team. And now I know it for this diabolical bank heist with people dying all over. Yeah, the place. The only thing it's I know, about, pretty the amazing. only
1: thing I know about Erie, Pennsylvania, is that that's where I stopped to get gas on my way to Cleveland.
0: Oh, the guy's a savage. That Mike Jello. <laughs> um. Anyhow, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just one of those things, you know the the John Tavares memory and what the point I wanted to make was that Nazim Kadri and John Tavares were put on a line by Dale Hunter and those two. Uh, worked incredible magic. It remains to be seen. I, I want some, I want some hype. I want some excitement. I want that big event, Mike. At, that uh, J- July first or second or whenever. I want to, I want to see the, the ticker. I want to, I want to see that notification. Leafs and John Tavares come to terms. On, just for excitement. Just to, I I miss the events. And I thought the Leafs have never really gone out and signed that premier free agent. One in the back in the day. You know, there was still that um, – they were still trying to figure out whether the Leafs were going to be one of these high-end marquee franchises and coming out of the the Harold Ballard era, the Steve Stavros era. I mean, they, Steve Stavros turned down signing Wayne Gretzky. I mean, nobody – we don't talk about that enough. But And then, obviously, with the salary cap, now it's harder to assign players to big money because you're minding your P's and Q's, plus a lot of these big, big players who've been – drafted and developed by other organizations end up staying there. So this might be an opportunity here for the, you know, almost a a once in a generation chance to, to make something happen, but whether Kyle Dubas wants to do that, he might want to take just a more conservative approach and look, the Leafs have uh, all sorts of talent up front and they might just say, you know what, we don't want to spend that kind of money for what some might think is redundant piece. However, you just made the case. If you have a center core of Tavares, Matthew, and um, Nazem Kadri, boy, oh boy, that's formidable. And that's the kind of uh, you know center group that you could you could really push forward to make a Stanley Cup run with. Last thing before we go, Mike, forgotten Leafs. So uh, are you ready to play? I am ready. All right. I played for the Leafs in 82-83. 52 games played. I had uh, a mere two goals, five assists, 68 penalty minutes, and I was a minus 16 on a team that was obviously – pretty crappy back in those days and actually you know what i played uh from 80 81 81 82 all the way 82 83 i was a defenseman racked up the penalty minutes who am i
1: this is a talkie
0: sorry 80 so he's uh he was drafted drafted by the canadians he's from the same hometown as wendell clark
1: oh yeah this is not barry melrose is it
0: it is. That a boy. Well, they're cousins. They're, they're, co- they're,
1: they're cousins. Are they're they cousins. They're like
0: second or third cousins. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't everybody in Calvington?
1: <laughs> <a cousin? laughs> yeah. He remember Wendell Clark's other cousin is Joey koser. And one of the ways that uh, the, the red wings beat the Leafs, I think it was 87 or 88 in mm-hmm. the playoffs was Jacques. Demers yeah. matched up Joey koser against his cousin, and Wendell wouldn't, I don't think he wanted to fight his cousin, so that, that helped neutralize him in a way.
0: Just bizarre. I had no clue that they were cousins, and it really doesn't have any effect on me whatsoever. <laughs> I'm, actually not, I'm actually not that surprised. Okay, and uh, the second question. Mm-hmm. I played for the Leafs in 06-07. Okay. 35 games, 4 goals, 11 assists. I played one season. It was cut short by injury. And isn't that the way with the Maple Leafs, especially back then? Okay. Oh, six, oh, seven. You know, you, you know, this guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike. Oh, six, oh, seven you, was the, you know, this guy. Oh, six, oh, seven was the year that yeah. they picked up um, the, 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 st- he won two Selkies. He won two Selkies before he joined the Maple Leafs. Come on. Well, you guys, oh, you guys oh, have, oh, a, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, no. Come on now. That'd be Michael Paga. Yeah. You, there you go, Bing, Bing, Bing. There, you, Mike, Mike Pekka. Um He was a he was a real force for that Sabres team that went to the Cup final in '99. Um, yes, he was really. Yeah, good. and you know the
1: thing thing was is like I was all in favor of I was all in favor of the Leafs bringing in Pekka. and the, you know there was always that uh, you know that angst between him and Darcy Tucker because back going back to 2002 when he took out he took out Pekka's mm-hmm. knee, and I think it was in Game Seven. Um, but they yeah. actually played on the same line for a while, and it was, that worked well. And, and mm-hmm.
0: then
1: he, I, I wanted he, I think he suffered a broken leg, and that shortened his season.
0: And I yeah. wanted the, it was in Chicago. Yeah, I wanted I, w- I
1: wanted the Leafs to bring him back. And there was talk in the off season that they were going to uh, they were going to sign Alexi mm-hmm. Yashin as well because mm-hmm. he had been bought yeah. out by the Islanders, and that yeah,
0: that would have been a disaster.
1: But anyway, Mike Pack good good. Unfortunately, he only played for the Leafs for one half year, or so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he, he was good. He really hurt the Leafs qu- quite a bit uh, with his play, and then the Leafs bring him in, and then he gets hurt. Mike Pekka is amazing, but he's no Miko Puka. Mike, we got to go.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Norman.
0: Miko Puka, Mike Pekka. Mike Pekka? Miko Puka. Uma? Oprah. Oprah? Uma. That's a reference to when David Letterman hosted the Oscars several years ago. Critics said it was terrible, a disaster. But everything Letterman does is iconic and amazing. Kind of like Mike Augella when he's writing for HockeyBuzz.com. Speaking of, if you're listening to us through the Embedded Player and Mike's blog on HockeyBuzz.com, do us a favor. Do yourself a favor. Stay a while. Hit the subscribe button. If you're not satisfied, let me know. I'll give you your money back. Thank you so much for all of your support. We have so much great Leafs-related content to come in the days, weeks, and months ahead. It's going to make your head spin. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We've got to go now. For Mike Agelo, I'm Norman James. And, of course, there's Sammy the Cat just here looking at me waiting to be fed. This has been the Leafs Convo. Talk to you soon. We out.